So today we're going to continue on in our Fruits of the Spirit series, and we're going to focus on self-control. And this is a topic that easily could run a whole series in and of itself. The Bible has so much to say about the topic of self-control or temperance. So much of the scripture is written in the context of crucifying yourself and walking and learning to live like Christ and becoming like him in your nature. So there's so many things to talk about. Today, what I want to do is I want to really focus on giving you tools and resources to live a life under the headship of Christ. What you have to realize is that you, you can't control yourself, and God knew that. You can't control yourself. God knew that. Now, you may have some measure of control for yourself in certain areas, but at the end of the day, it's all behavior modification. God knew you couldn't do it yourself, so he gave you himself. He gave you himself because self-control is a fruit of the spirit. It's not a fruit of man or your good works. It's not a fruit of your own ability. It's a fruit of who he is. And so when he's in you, he gives you the ability to do it. Doesn't matter what else I say really after that. I'm going to give you some great practical tools and resources. But until we come under the headship and lordship of Christ... Our self-control will never last and will only be behavior modification for a time and season. Everyone's feet is on slippery slope without Christ. People may seem successful. They may seem that they're prosperous. They may seem that they're able to control themselves to a point. But at the end of the day, if Christ isn't in somebody's heart and somebody's life, they're always ultimately on a slippery slope. I call it the slip and slide of life. And so what we want to do is get you off the slip and slide of life. What areas of your life, I'm going to ask this question at the end, are you lacking self-control? Or what areas of your life are you out of control? So we'll talk about some ways that our society as a whole is out of control. But really what I want to do is give you answers and tools of what I think. Now, my wife's not up here today, and we think wildly different, wildly different. As I walked out the door this morning, I said to my wife, who has abdicated this message to me, by the way, but we will be back together. We still have at least one more to do together. I said, send me your list of all the things that you think people are out of control in or lack self-control. So she sent me the list and then she posted it on our group me with all the staff, team leaders and elders. And I thought, that's, there's not one thing on her list that I can relate to. But there's not one thing on my list that she can relate to. And then, of course, the team leader started chiming in, and, you know, 45 messages later, everybody had their thoughts. And I actually summarized some of them. So thank you to everyone of our team that posted, because I'm going to talk a little bit about them, because I don't want to live in a narrow bubble. I know what I struggled with, and I know some of the things I struggle with now but it's different than what other people, some things are different than what other people struggle with. So let's start here. Let's talk about, in general, electronics and screen time. People will spend on average of five hours and 10 minutes a day on their laptop. People will spend five hours and nine minutes a day on TV, watching TV. People spend on average five hours, two minutes a day on their phone. People spend three hours and 45 minutes on average a day on gaming devices, which I don't understand, but 
I have seen teenagers go in their room, lock the door and don't come out all day, stay up late and sleep in late, come out for food, eat in their room, leave the trash in their room and play games all day long. That does happen. And so I also want to say, and I'll talk a little bit more about this, not all screen time is bad time. Okay, so the good news about your phones, especially my phone, it tells me how much screen time I have in a day or in a week, how many times I pick my phone up. And also it breaks down what I spent my time looking at. So if this was all in one day, which I realize it may seem extremely foreign that somebody would do all these things in a day. But if they did, it would total 19 hours and six minutes of a day. If you live to 60, let's say somebody did that every day. I know it's an extreme, but I'm going to point this out. If you live to 60, that would equal 382,652 hours and 48 minutes, which equals nearly 16,000 days of your life or 43 years of your life. If somebody was doing all of that in a day, there's 1,440 minutes in a day and there's 168 hours in a week. There's 8,736 8, hours in a year, and it's estimated the average person spends 6,259 hours a year glued to devices, which is just over 75%, somewhere around there of time. If we were to be conservative, now, let's just say it was five hours a day, depending on what you do. That's still 35 hours a week compared to how much time we do things we need or that are vitally important to our life. Now, I'll tell myself a little bit. My screen time, in general, for the most part, is positive and helpful. But I will tell myself, my last week's screen time, on average per day, was six hours and six minutes a day. That may seem like a lot, depending on what I'm doing. Now, let's talk about that. I spend probably an hour and a half to two hours of that time listening to the International House of Prayer and worship. When I get up in the morning in the shower, I have worship and prayer on. When I go to the gym, I have worship and prayer on. At night, I have worship and prayer on. I also like to listen to podcasts, good, healthy podcasts. I love listening to Mike Bickle. I like listening to Bill Johnson. And there are many other great podcasts out there. I've loved listening to things about brain health mental health, neuroscience. There's a lot of great stuff out there. I really like doing, doing research. But in general, a lot of the time that I'm spending is on worship, prayer, or feeding myself by listening to a podcast of some sort. This also takes into account text messages, emails, phone calls. On average, I picked my phone up last week 22 times a day. So knowing those stats helps me to think about what am I doing with my time when I get on the phone and so screen time can be both productive and harmful depending on what you're doing. So reading scripture, listening to worship, research, communication with others, and even some staying updated on news. You know, I like to have a general idea, but I don't spend a lot of time on news because it can be so fearful, so negative, and it never, I never get off news thinking, man, I feel so good, okay? But some things are rarely productive, rarely productive. Let's talk about those. Now, as I talk about this, I want you to know I understand and I'm not beating you up. What I want to do is I want to help you to be 
wiser with your time, and I want you to understand the difference between needs and wants. So when it comes to self-control, you're investing your time on what matters the most. I personally believe you're most, one of your most valuable, if not the most valuable asset you have is time. Do you ever feel like there's not enough time, right? <clears throat> so let me tell you what I think is one of the biggest wastes of time. You ready? Television. I think TV is a massive waste of time. Most of what is being shown on TV creates a mindset, a worldly mindset that this is normal. Lots of things that are not normal in the kingdom of God. It's also entertainment in general, right? Social media, TikTok, and I'm, I'll tell you one that is that I have succumbed to is these Facebook reels, right? And a lot of them, actually, I really laugh at. Some of them I think are so creative, especially like the recipes. I mean, you wouldn't believe how many recipes I have saved in my Facebook reels. And guess how many I have made? <laughs> Zero, right? But one day I'm praying, my wife will say, what can I make you tonight? <laughs> oh, I send them to her. That's right. I send them to her. Can you make this, right? Can you make this, Right? But I want to say to you that, think about it, 45 seconds are real times, let's say, times 20 or times 30 or times 40, because it's easy to scroll through reels, right? And in general, it's time-consuming. One thing I will say to you, I can't speak for you, but I can speak for myself. When an hour goes by or 45 minutes and time flies by with the reels because they're, in, they're very entertaining, they're intriguing, some are informational, some of them, like some of the DIY ones, I'm like, how can I never think of that, right? <laughs> but one thing I will say to you is after about an hour, I, I don't ever get off going, I feel so satisfied. I don't ever end going, man, I feel so good. I'm so glad I just spent an hour scrolling through reels, right? Now, some of that's okay, but it really comes down into the context of what you're watching and how much time you're spending and being tempered or having moderation and that you're giving your time to what matters the most. Here's another small thing I want to say is in general, when you scroll, scroll through Facebook reels or Instagram reels or TikTok reels, in general, it's inevitable at some point something ungodly will come through, something. I'll give you an example for me. I was just scrolling through one night and I was watching the reels, vegging out, laughing, getting a kick out of some of them, enjoying some of them. And then a reel came up. And on this reel, it was a group of college students set in a classroom. And in walks this like incredibly beautiful teacher. And the guy, one of the young adults is laugh, nudges his buddy and says, huh, that looks like the girl that I saw on one of the most popular porn sites. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. She does look just, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the girl, you know, reprimands them about something related to power and what power is. And she has the power to kick them and go to the dean, kick them out of school or go to the dean, whatever. Which though I love that response, the simplicity of it is, is the way the reel was poised is it made pornography extremely normal. And you have to understand that's extremely normal in the world, but should not be normal for you or your children because it's in, incredibly life damaging and destructive on more levels than I can tell you. It's so destructive. 
It kills love. It kills people's lives. People are being trafficked and destroyed. And women, though they may have want to in the moment, regret it often later because once it's out there, it can never come back. And so you have to be very careful what you let into your eye gate and what you spend your time on, right? And so for me, what I want to do is I understand how aggressive the world is. So I have to be extra aggressive because I know my background. And my background was extremely promiscuous when I was younger. But I also want to protect my children from being exposed to those things, right? So I'm extra aggressive with my time. Too much of anything is too much, and it lacks moderation. Moderation and temperance or restraint are all synonymous. It almost always leads to distraction. And let me say this to you. It doesn't matter if I'm listening to IHOP all the time or worship or prayer or Bill Johnson or myself, because I will listen to my own messages at times. It doesn't matter how much time, inevitably too much of it is not good for you because it's taking away from something else. Everything is a sacrifice. I want you to understand this. Sleeping in late, going to bed late. How you spend your time, everything is a sacrifice. So what, sa what gets sacrificed even in the positive components of screen time? Time with family, time with my wife, focus, attention. It's a constant battle for us. Hence, I know it must be a constant battle for most people. And I know the stats. So we have to make a diligent, concerted effort. And it's hard. It's hard at times because it's so easy now to just check out and to look and see what's going on around the world or be entertained. But it takes away from something else. It can take away from time with your friends, your family, your spouse, being outside, quality time, being present. Even if those things are funny and you're learning, at the end of the day, it's a sacrifice that's taking something away. I'd also love to discuss the effects of these things on our mental capacity and our ability to focus and be present, especially in the context of dopamine. So dopamine, more research has come out now about dopamine, what it is, and why it, why it leads us to do what we do. Right, And so in the context of dopamine, we all have a dopamine base level. Dopamine is the overall feeling of health and well-being and joy that you have in your life, satisfaction. So God created us with a standard dopamine level. And then he calls, he calls us to pursue things. And it's in the pursuit that increases the dopamine. Like for a lot of men, it's hunting, fishing, looking for a spouse, right? But there's so many quick dopamine fixes, which is where cocaine and drugs and alcohol or pornography comes in, whatever it is, shopping, whatever your thing is, is that you get this spike in dopamine. And then what, as soon as it's over, the equal high spike you get, you get an equal low crash, which then creates the feeling of loss, dissatisfaction, and depression. Now, God has a healthy context for dopamine for you, a healthy pursuit in healthy context. Sex is incredibly wonderful in the context of marriage. Outside of marriage, it will crush you, right? And so people do things that are constantly leading to depression and anxiety and fear in their life. Outside of screen time and these distractions, we have other statistics that we should note for this message. 40% of people get less than the average amount of sleep that they need. People have sleep problems, right? Sleep can be a real struggle. Now, don't get beat down. I'm going to give you some really great things here. The average person should be getting seven hours of sleep. A lot of people can function on less. Some people, like my wife, need more in general. And if you don't get enough sleep, I'll tell them my wife because she's right here. 
Vacate the house, folks. Vacate the house. She'll tell you. If she doesn't get enough sleep, she knows. There's, because what happens when you don't get enough sleep? In general, you'll have health problems. You'll have cognitive impairment. You'll have an ability to, inability to focus and be present. You'll, you'll have difficulty in making strategic decisions. And it often leads to emotional distress. Like when you are exhausted, you are emotionally a train wreck. But if you get enough sleep, you'll spend roughly a third of your life sleeping. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about sleep, and there are some incredible, incredible biblical teachings on sleep on YouTube, but really study sleep in the Bible. God promises he gives sweet sleep to his beloved, and there's things that you can do that you're going to have to do if you want to start having good night's sleep. Namely, get off the phone or put worship on, listen to worship, go to sleep. Now there there are YouTube channels out there where all they do is read the word with soothing back background music. You know how long I make it when I put that on? About 35 seconds. I'm not kidding you. You, pl- you slow read the Bible with soothing music in the background, it's over for me. I'm hypnotized. I'm out for the night, right? <laughs> and so the average person will spend 90,000 hours of their life working, which is a third of your life. For those that read their Bible, the average person only spends 10 to 20 minutes a day, I'm sorry, a week reading their Bible, the average person. Only 24% of millennials read their Bible one time a week. The good news is, is that doubles when you get to team leaders and elders, 50% one time a week. The sad reality is that without God's word inside of you, Without understanding God's language, you don't know how to properly commune or sing or worship. You can't know what God's saying till you know what he said, which is why you have to get a treasure chest of God's understandings and word inside of you. Now, I'm gonna, I used this last year, so I'm going to use it again, okay? Because we're in Texas, the, the great republic of Texas. Let's talk about guns and ammunition. You know how many different calibers of ammunition and types of guns there are? Now, some people who are major end-time preppers, and I'm not, but I do think you should do things to be prepared. But some people are like on another level of prepared. They have an armory in their house, all different guns and all different calibers. And they know the energy, strength of that bullet, how far it shoots, what it can do, what the purpose of that gun is. And they have all these guns and all these ammos and a stockpile. Some people with food. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't have some preparation should something go sideways. I think some stored up food is a really good thing for you, some. But I also know that God will take care of us and God doesn't overly tell us that we should live as an end time prepper. We know the end times are coming. We should have a healthy balance that doesn't have fear. But here's my point. Psalm 119.11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So if we're storing up all these other things or have knowledge about all these other things, how much more should you have a stored up knowledge of God's word in advance so you know what he says and what he's doing about the topic and about the subject? And you're not being caught off guard and you're not being deceived, right? And so God wants you to be proactive, not reactive. And he also knows that when you spend time in God's word, it keeps you nourished, hydrated, or in the case of the five foolish and five wise virgins, let's talk about that for a moment. They were all virgins. Let's bring it to modern day time. They all went to church. They all called themselves Christians and they all read their Bible 10 minutes a week. 
they're still going to heaven. Maybe. Well, here's what we know. Five of those virgins had a stockpile of oil, which is a spiritual understanding of be spiritually prepared and don't let it all leak out, which means you have to stay full, my friends. Stay thirsty, my friends, right? Stay thirsty and stay full, my friends. And so God wants us to always have an abundance of supply. So he also provided it for you. God's try. it's kind of like this. I'm gonna make this so easy for you to succeed. I'm gonna give you my grace, the cross, the blood. I'll go ahead and just die on your behalf. And then what I'll do is I'll fight for you every day as a mediator and I'll give you all the supply. In fact, I'll even put myself in you to give you the resources that you need because you can't do this on your own. And then Jesus gives us really one simple commandment. Abide, 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 abide. Now, can you see the contrast compared to the statistics that I gave you? Would we agree that most of the world is spinning out of control and distracted? Would you agree with that or not? So God says to those that will invest their time in worship, prayer, sitting at his feet, being intimate. Because look, there's a lot of things I didn't even give you in those statistics. I didn't talk about volunteering. I didn't talk about serving other people. I didn't talk about your time at the church. Most people exercise only two hours a week. Yet, genuinely, you should be walking or doing something physical 20 minutes a day to take care of your body. I don't want to do your funeral early. You only got one you. Take care of it. And if you don't take care of it, you're defiling your temple. But there's got to be a balance because bodily exercise profits little, but spiritual exercise profits a ton. So you need to have a healthy balance of them all in your life, right? And so you have to manage your time wisely and well. And for me, my most valuable time is spent digging into God's word, sitting at his feet, because if you're not full, what can you give to the people that are around you? right? So God's word is vitally important so you can understand what he says and who he is, but also so that you go back to Psalm 119 verse 11. I've hidden your word in your heart so that I might not sin against you. Will you have many opportunities to sin against God tonight and tomorrow? What's God's answer? Get his word hidden inside of your heart. Get that treasure chest on the inside so that you can have understandings and truths and wisdom and he can breathe upon it with his spoken word. You'll spend an average of 67 minutes a day eating, which blows my mind. Just go to Europe. If you go to Europe and you're an American, you're gonna have to detox for like four days because what happens is, is we're so used to let's get that meal, get up and roll. An average dinner for us is like, what, 30 minutes, 45 minutes maybe? And then you get up or you're ready to go or maybe you can sit for an extra 20 minutes. You go to Europe and it's like, dinner starts at four and it ends at 11. And it's massive, well, that's after the nap. So maybe five, but dinner's like four or five hours long because it's, it's an experience. It's also extremely relational for so many people. It's time, it's quality time and investing time. That's why we try as much as we can pretty consistently to have a dinner where we sit down at the table with our kids every single day, where we eat and put the phones away and we don't get distracted. And I have to be intentional because a lot of times, as soon as I'm done eating, what's the first thing you wanna do? Clean the dishes. Throw trash away, get up and go to the next thing versus staying and engaging with your children or your family and your friends at that time. So if you were to count in social time, some of you are such social butterflies that you spend more time socially with people than you do with anyone or anything else. 
So this doesn't account for time with Jesus, your spouse, time with kids, time with friends. One thing I said this last time, I'm gonna say it again. It's hard to stay consistent with it, but we're working at it. A consistent day where you have a Sabbath, where you put the phones away and you just spend time with your family the whole day and let put everything on hold. The second thing is we try to have time where we can really plan and schedule and think through our life together, where we talk through kids and travel and doctor's offices and, or doctor's visits or all those things. Because you know what happens if, you, if you're married, take my advice, men. If, you know what happens if you don't carve out time during the day to have this kind of talk where you talk about struggles, challenges, the dreams on our heart, uh, the stuff that you're going to do in the future? Guess when you'll talk about it? Oh, you'll talk about it. Well, you may not talk, but she'll talk. And it will be either at 11 o'clock at night, right before bed, or it will be on your date night. And you think, man, we're going for Mexican food. Yeah, I got my, no kids. And as soon as you sit down and she starts talking about all the stuff you don't want to talk about, your head slowly goes down because you didn't make space for it elsewhere. So in the context of self-control, one of the things I really want to talk about in this message is creating spaces and places and times and schedules and calendars and, and understanding what matters the most between wants and needs. What do you need versus what do you want? I need to spend time with Jesus or I will die. I need to hear his voice. I need to be in the word. Of course, you need to eat. You need to have lodging. You need to have clothes, medical care. There's a lot of things you do need. But I'm gonna tell you right now, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of his mouth. So you will be spiritually malnourished if you're not being fed from the words of Jesus on a daily basis. And so if I don't plan for those things, he who fails to plan, plans to fail, right? So this didn't, also doesn't account for church volunteer work helping others in order to account for pleasures and vices, which I think most vices in general can be unhealthy if, you, if it's not spirit-led. But let's talk about the pleasures, hunting and fishing. I like to hunt and I like to fish but I don't get to do it very often because right now other priorities are getting in the way. Some of it is healthy and some of us need these types of things. But the challenge is, is we can overdo it and in turn, it's robbing from somewhere or something else. Entertainment, concerts, whatever. And, and I am not gonna spend a lot of time on this message talking about pornography except to say that the statistics of pornography is insane. 3,000 views a minute. Average man, I can't speak for women, but I know it's become more of a problem, spends about six minutes a day, right? It's insane how much time is spent or the fact that that is even infiltrated so much in our lives. And so we have to be extremely disciplined in those areas. Now here's some of the other things my team leader said. Some people are too busy. Some people are too lazy. But I would say most are distracted one way or another. For those that live more simply, listen to this point. Those that live more simply and spend more time with Jesus, who worship and read their Bible daily, who love their family well and serve others well, and spend their time wisely, for those of you that are in that category, we are the ultra-rare minority of society as a whole. And do you know what God calls those people? The remnant. 
It's a small group of people that are uncompromising, that are fully dedicated and devoted to living a life completely sold out for the things of God and are spirit-led in every area of their life. It's this group that God uses and reveals himself the most to. It requires dedication. We can't live our lives without the fruit of the spirit and expect to be happy and truly full of joy and peace because that's who he is. And that true life only comes from him. So let's talk about self-control and temperance, and then we're going to go down uh, some more of our list. Self-control and temperance is the virtue of one who masters his desires and passions, especially sensual appetites, especially sensual appetites. It's the quality of moderation or self-restraint, the quality of being moderate or having moderation and being self-restraint. It's to hold back, and it means to think before you act. Think before you act. Now, for me, having been older and made a lot of mistakes, one of the things I think about the most is, if I do this, what will the outcome be? Now, I don't think about it as much as my wife does, but God brought my wife to me, and she's actually helped me to think better through outcomes because she's very outcome. But the the good news is, is she's had to be somewhat more tempered my direction, right? Where you're not always ruled and controlled by outcomes and you understand that God's in the process. But I have to think to myself, what outcome do I want in my future? Where do I want to go? Where does God want me to go? If God has a plan in the future for you and it's a plan to prosper you, then my question is, what is it or how do I get there? So the decisions that I make today are going to affect me tomorrow. The decisions that I made yesterday affect me today, but I'm stronger today than I was yesterday, everybody, stronger today than I was yesterday. And that's the premise. In your life, you're either moving forward, you're standing still, or you're going backwards. And I often ask myself, what direction am I moving? And where do I want to go? Because when I can see the rewards and the outcomes, it brings self-control to my life. And when I've seen the horrible outcomes of failures of dysfunction, addiction, pornography, alcoholism, anger, overspending, I've seen all the destructive sides of that, a lot of that for me personally and in other people's lives. And so I say, well, I don't want that. And so in turn, I start to look at my time and what I value the most and what God values the most so that I can get to where I want to be. Do you guys understand that? Okay. So God knew you couldn't control yourself. Hence, he gave you himself. It's only by the fruit of his spirit can you ever expect to have a proper self-control in your life. Now, my wife gave me a list as I walked out the door. I said, give me a list of what you think people struggle with in the context of self-control. She sent me her list and I thought, I can't relate to any of these things. Really? Okay, well, allowing negative, let's talk about them. Allowing negative thoughts to rule and not take not taking them captive and replacing them with truth. I genuinely, I'm not boasting on myself. That's not the point. The point is, is that a lot of people struggle with negative self-talk, right? And that negative self-talk is leading you to be out of control. So you have to replace that negative self-talk by taking a captive and speaking the truth. I love, love what Prophet Kevin Leal said at the last conference. Never, 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 ever, ever, ever let the voice of the devil go unanswered. 
God has an answer for every lie of the devil. You're gonna die, you're not gonna make it, you're a failure, you'll always be this way. God doesn't love you, whatever the lies are. And God's given you his word and his truth to counter those things. Many people look for comfort in food, right? So eating unhealthy or overeating. I would say eating unhealthy and overeating is a deeper root of dissatisfaction within yourself, right? Or it can also come from an orphan spirit because you find comfort in food. And so in turn, God wants to resolve that issue. Drinking daily, even if not too much, it becomes a habit, especially when stressed. So let me say this. I am not an abolitionist when it comes to alcohol, but there are many people here today are listening that should never drink again. Your past was so toxic, so bad, so unhealthy. Now, I believe we need to be tempered by the fruit of the Spirit, and you need to listen to the Holy Spirit. You're going to like this. There are some people that can have a glass of wine or even two, and it never leads them to sin. It's not like you had a glass and you're always going to look at porn or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, for some people... God says, I don't want you to drink, period. Not even because it's gonna lead you to sin, but because I don't want you to. Because the issue here is sober-mindedness. The issue is being under the control of the headship of Christ. So there are some people that alcohol, it's not gonna lead them to sin, but God doesn't want them to drink. So God is the one that makes that decision for your life. God is the one that chooses and tells you what you can and what you can't do because he knows you better than anyone. And so the deeper rooted issue could be that it's a vice to take off the edge or to get away from the stress, but you'll run to that vice before you'll run to sitting at his feet. That's the core root issue is I get it. It can help to take off the edge and you feel a little bit better and you don't do anything stupid, but you're running to that instead of running to him and it's taking place of something else. And I'm going to let you all know right now, anything that's taking place with, from being intimate with him, he'll, he wants to remove Would you all agree? For some people, that can be their work. So the next thing is spending money or shopping for things that you don't need. Uh, I can't tell you that I haven't every now and then had a secret fantasy thought that one day the Amazon distribution center would blow up. (laughs) No people in it, though. No people. But it would only be the day that my wife ordered Oh, there's always Wayfair. Oh, yes, yes, same, yeah. So one of the things that's a challenge is that, you know, you have targeted marketing on social media unless you've turned it off. We actually like targeted marketing, right? Because there's, the truth is, is there's a lot of things out there that small businesses have started that are really creative that you will never see in department stores or other things. And, and there are some really great, things there. But here's the problem. There's a, there can be a spirit behind it. I liken it to the spirit of Christmas, not the good spirit, the world spirit. It's like walking through the mall at Christmas time. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like you feel these tentacles reaching out at you as you walk through the mall <laughs> from all the different stores. And there's this materialistic spend thing. And it's like, my family won't know that I love them if I don't buy them a gift. But the spirit behind it is, is, I always, is you always want the newest, latest, greatest, or better. And at some point, it goes out of your budget, and then you lose control, and you spend money that you shouldn't have spent. Anybody? Yes. 
All right, let's just, let's just talk. We're talking about self-control here. That, I would say that I have been guilty to that in your list. There you go. Now, and I would say there's times on the whole social media thing, we've talked about that. Um, look, sometimes we just want to check out. I get that. But the problem is, is if everything's a sacrifice and where does the checkout lead you to? Right? One of the things that happens is that a lot of social media time often leads to offense, comparison, discontentment, and discontentment due to feeding your mind with all the enterta- that entertainment has to offer. Or we see what other people have and we want to be like that or we compare ourselves to it. And then we get out of control. So let's talk about solutions now. That's all I'm saying on that. I'm going to run through some solutions. I want to start with this scripture. Now, there's so many scriptures. So there's a lot I won't be talking about today. But let's jump to 2 Peter. Let's turn to the word and see what, the, what a, a great word that I would say really starts here. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Now, I love how this scripture starts. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Now, let's pause there for a second. When it comes to self-control, you can't have any self-control without the grace of God. Let me just let you all know right now, you're saved by grace. It's only by grace and God's empowerment, knowing that you can do it on your own. And he comes in and empowers you to give your life to him and you get saved. The only way you'll live for the things of God is by the grace of God. So it starts right out, grace and peace be multiplied. Here is a great prayer for you to pray every day. God, multi- I need a multiplication of grace and peace in my life. It's okay to ask for it. It's okay to pray for it. And I will promise to pray for you guys for that as well because I pray for this church. Lord, let grace and peace be multiplied to this church in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So in the context of God's word, the more you know about what he says, the more you'll know who he is. So I know who God is. I know his character and his nature because I know his word and I know what he says about himself. So then I can remind myself with the devil lies and I can remind others when they're being lied to. I can help other people with the truth of God's word because I know it. But look at verse three. Oh, I love this so much. As his divine power, his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been, by which we have been, given, have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you would be partakers of his divine nature and you would be able to escape the corruption that's in this world through lust. So how do we escape? Because lust can look like a lot of different things. Wouldn't you agree? Lust for entertainment, lust to buy things, lust for to be like someone else, lust for lust's sakes, eros lust, right? Which is erotic lust. But the general mindset of the scripture is God's given you everything you need to live this life the way he wants you to and to be upright and to be godly. And then by his divine power, he wants you to become like his divine nature. You become like his divine nature because of his divine promises. Here's the great news. I know the promises of God, so should you. That would make me a good pastor, right? Somebody's hurting, broken, being lied to. Let me tell you the promises of God for your life. And it doesn't mean 
oh, you're living in a world of sin and pain and darkness, it's okay. I'm not telling you it's okay. But here's the promise to pull you out of that. God has a promise for everything. Amen? All right. So God wants you to partake of his divine nature. The only way you're going to escape the lust of this world, I promise you, you can't self-modify, behavior modify yourself. The only way you will ultimately escape the lust and corruption of the world around you is to partake of his divine nature. And the only way you're going to partake of his divine nature is to know his divine promises of what he's given you for godliness and how to live. And the only way you're going to know that is sitting at his feet and spending time in his word. I just gave you the whole formula right there. It's really not that complicated. What's complicated is most people won't make the sacrifice to do what it takes to do what matters and what you need. This is a need. Verse five, but also for this very reason, now I want you to look at this pattern. What I'm about to read to you, these seven or eight things, however many they are, starts with faith and ends with love. It starts inwardly and ends outwardly. And it goes like this, be diligent. What is diligence? Diligent is manage your time wisely, focus on what matters the most and pay attention. Pay attention. Give yourself to this. And if you do, what I want you to know is you are gonna bloom and blossom in the knowledge of Christ. If you don't, you'll be short-sighted and you'll you'll become blind. This is what the scripture says. So it says, you started with faith, now add virtue to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge add self-control. And to self-control, perseverance, meaning don't give up, delayed gratification. I know you really want that thing right now, but let me make a bold statement. There's not one thing you own or possess that you can't get rid of. There's not one thing you want to possess that you can't let go of. And if anything is causing you to sin, Jesus gave you a very clear commandment. Pluck your eye out. (laughs) Pluck your eye out or cut your hand off. And that's why I said a while back at the beginning of this, some people need to get a dumb phone, not a smartphone. (laughs) There are dumb phones called a light phone. And it's very basic. It'll get the job done. And whatever it is, If it's consuming you and causing you to be out of control, you must do what it takes. Now, the first and most important thing is, is is not the behavior modification component of getting rid of the smartphone. It's get a new iOS internal operating system on the inside. Do you understand? So that the apps in your life can be used properly. Because apps can't function without a proper functioning I-O-S. Do you got that? That was a good one. I just came right out of me right there. (laughs) Now, just watch the pattern. It starts in faith, goes now perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly uh, kindness to love. So it works out. It works out. Ultimately, God's doing something in you to work something out of you. Do you see that? I knew early on in my life when I gave my life to the Lord that I was called to help other people. So I went from selling acid and selling mushrooms and selling pot to giving people life-giving power so that their life would really change. God really took me from darkness and put me into the kingdom of light and his power of his son for a purpose. Amen? Right? And so it goes from faith to perfect love and in between a sandwich, self-control, godliness, and all these virtue, all these other things that we've talked about, brotherly love. 
And notice, if you're lacking in these things, you're short-sighted. You're not seeing well. You're, it's even going to lead to blindness, and you've forgotten who you, that you were cleansed from your old sins. All right? So here's some keys to self-control. You can write these down or come back and listen to this message. First, realize that God has given you everything you need. You have everything that you need right now. Let's, if you're born again. If you have Jesus on the inside, you have every tool that you need. You just have to discover them. The most important thing that I want you to see is because of the cross, because of the blood, and by the grace of God, this is the essence of the gospel. God has given you everything that you need to live the way he wants you to lead and to live godly. Do you guys got that? So what that does is that kills this behavior modification thing where you think I have to strive to be better. No, you have to trust and die to be better. This is transformation. Transformation is different than behavior modification. All right? So you got to understand his grace, which is why you need it multiplied to you. It's only the grace of God that gives you the ability to say no to sin. My wife sent me Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. We won't go over it. But basically, it makes it very clear. You're powerless to overcome sin on your own. You, you will not be able to resist ultimately on your own. Some sort, some phase, some way, whatever it is. Even though our lists are different, we all still need the grace of God. Next, realize this is a powerful scripture in Corinthians. I'll just paraphrase it. You can do anything that you want to do. You are fully free to do whatever that you want to do. However, doing what you want to do is not beneficial for you, and it'll ultimately cause you to be mastered by what you don't want to do. So the better thing to say is, I know I can do whatever I want to do, but I don't want to do whatever I want to do. That's Romans 7, right? Romans 7 is, man, I do the thing I don't want to do and what I want to do, I don't do. And it's like, the only way you can do it is to come under the control and headship of Christ. This is the only way that you can do it. And when you come under the headship of Christ, now you have the spirit bringing self-control into your life. It's his rule and headship. I gave you Psalm 119 verse 11, hide God's word in your heart. Be proactive with a purpose. I would write that down. I'm gonna be proactive with a purpose. Psalm, or Proverbs 29, 18. What I love so much about this is so clear. If you're getting revelation and being fed the bread from heaven and hearing God's voice, you'll stay restrained. Look at the scripture. If I'm getting revelation from heaven and hearing God's voice and understanding his word and feeding from his word, I will stay restrained. I'll be temperate or self-controlled. They're all synonymous. But if I'm not, I cast off restraint. Because only God's word and divine revelation about your future and your life and the positive outcomes can do it. So God gives you this whole Bible. That's this contrast. If you do well, it will go well for you. This is to Cain in Genesis chapter four. Simple. Do well, it goes well. Don't do well, and sin is always crouching at your door, and it has a desire to rule over you, but you should rule over it. And the only way you rule over it is to do what Jesus did, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow after him. Amen? All right, you guys okay? And I'm giving you a lot this morning, and I know it's a weighty topic, but it's important. The next thing is to separate your wants and needs personally in order to spend your time wisely. My needs are non-negotiable non-negotiable. Everything is a sacrifice. Every time you sleep in, every time you go to bed late, every minute of your day is a sacrifice. And so I have needs and I have wants. 
Your needs are something that's necessary for you to live and function, food, clothes, shelter, medical care, whatever it is. It's something you can't live without. It's essential. But most people don't put God's word in time with Jesus in the essential needs list. So they say, well, I don't want to, or I just don't feel the desire to. I don't care. Do you want to die? Now, here's a fun thing. The more you do it, the more you'll want to do it. I liken it to tithing. Like when I started tithing, first giving, I only had faith for 20 bucks because I didn't have the faith for the 10%. To me, 10% was, it was unimaginable in my early days. I didn't have much money, but I wasn't haphazard with it. It wasn't like, oh, here, God, here's my 20 bucks. Just take my leftover crumbs. I was very intentional with that $20. And I said, God, I'm trusting you with this right now. And you know what? I would watch that $20 turn to 100 bucks. This happened more times than I could tell you. I put 20 in. So here comes somebody along, give me 100 bucks out of the blue. I remember the first time I was at a conference in, at, um, in Tulsa at the Maybe Center, and I gave money to some special speaker, 20 bucks. And somebody, as I was walking out, walked up and handed me 100 bucks. I said, man, Lord, it really does work because God's word works. The principle works. But what God really does is he lovingly leads you to a place where you'll learn to trust him with more. Do you guys understand that? So your want is something that you can or you think you can or you think can improve your quality of life, but doesn't always. They're non-essentials. Bible has a lot to say about that. And for the sake of time, I'm just going to paraphrase two scriptures for you. In James chapter four, verses one through three, here's the simplicity understanding of this. You want to know why everything's a mess, why there's arguing and all kinds of issues in your life? It's like they come from your own desires for the pleasures of your life. And it ultimately comes down to where you're spending, spending, spending your time and your money. Look at the next verse. He says, you don't have because you don't ask, but you ask and you don't receive because you ask amiss so that if I gave it to you, you would spend it on what? You know, we give a lot of money away here at the church. It cracks me up when people are like, man, I'm so broke. I can't pay my bills, but they got the newest watch, the newest Jordans, the newest shoes, the newest clothes, the newest cars. I'm like, the newest iPhone. All right, we'll move on from that one. Sorry if I convicted you, but not really sorry. Look at Isaiah 55. He's like, why, I'm going to paraphrase this. Why in the world are you wasting time and resources and money on something that doesn't satisfy? I'll just go back to the reels thing, right? Like, okay, I'm spent up, I just spent an hour watching the reels. I laughed. I got some good recipes. There were some things I didn't like. It's, it was very entertaining. Some of the stuff's like really entertaining for me. But when I'm done, I didn't feel satisfied from it. And what the Lord's saying here is he's saying, look, why are you spending your wages on what doesn't satisfy? If you'll actually, paraphrase, if you'll actually sit at my feet and abide with me, if you'll actually learn to commune with me, guess what I'm gonna give you? You are gonna be so delighted and fired up and it may not be in the moment. Have you ever thought about the desert? Or let's say you're a wilted plant that hasn't, or a drought, we were just in a drought. Look, a little sprinkle of water is not gonna do it. 
right? We need a deluge of a downpouring of rain. So it's not like, oh, I need my quick fix. I got my little daily bread, my scripture of the day. Oh yeah, I read my Bible today. What'd you read? Oh, I had a scripture of the day. I spent three minutes. You didn't sit. I'm not saying this to, in fact, the truth is, is a lot of times you'll sit with the Lord and he's like, I just want you to talk to me. I want you to listen to me. I want you to worship with me. We do what the Holy Spirit tells us to do because he is the friend of the bridegroom. So the Holy Spirit's preparing you for him. So if you'll just get with the Lord in the secret place where the father already is, he'll tell you what to do. He knows how he wants to spend time with you. So it's not agenda driven. So he's saying, look, come and buy. Your money's never gonna satisfy. Only the Lord can truly and fully satisfy in your life. Amen? So your wants and needs lead to an action plan. You have to create a schedule or a financial plan. Look, if you spend out of control or you don't make a lot of money, you must live on a budget. You must live on a budget. You have to create schedules and time management and plan with the purpose in order to get the results you want. The question is, what results do you want? Now, we're going to do a fast. We're fasting for two weeks in this church starting November 7th. And I'm going to be creating a daily journal for you to ask questions to the Lord every day. I'm writing them right now. You sh- and you'll be able to download a PDF online. And every day, I'm asking you to spend X amount of time with the Lord and to ask lo- the Lord questions and to journal with him. All right? Questions are so important. You have to schedule with a purpose and they have to be manageable so that you can actually do them. So have you ever heard the statement, aim high, aim really high, throw that out. Aim really low so that you know you'll hit the target. And then slowly over time, it's one little step at a time. Because when you start to do it small, small steps always lead to bigger steps. I promise you. So set the bar in a a way you know you can do it. Download Google Calendar, use your your Outlook Calendar, whatever it is. In general, I run on a calendar for the most part. I have some fluidity and I'm not as structured as some people, but I, in general, try to put all my meetings in a calendar or Melody helps me or my wife helps me because I can be so spontaneous that I don't have any structure. But some people can be so structured, they have no spontaneity. But the point is, is that start to set some measurable steps for yourself. Get up 15 minutes earlier. Go to bed 15 minutes earlier. How many of you get a lunch break? You work a job and you get a lunch break. Instead of scrolling, spend time in the Word. Or cut your scrolling time in half and spend more time in the Word. Whatever it is, make changes in your life, small changes that can realign your habits. That's what my wife's done. You've heard her talk about that. When you go to bed, when you wake up, your bedtimes, when you eat, your exercise, your quality time with the Lord, your Sabbath, your family times, your date nights, your social times. Here's another one. Allow yourself time for actually what you also like as much as for what you need. You've got to have joyous things that bring joy into your life. All, you can't have all work and no play, but the play needs to be healthy. It needs to be with good friends, good times, and looking at good things. Don't live your life haphazardly. You know what the word haphazard means? It means no plan, no order, no organization, and no concern for the outcome. You can't live haphazard. Here's some synonyms for haphazard. Aimless, careless, disorganized, erratic, or helter-skelter. You know what helter-skelter is? It's massive amounts of disorderly haste or confusion. So be disciplined by design. Let's say disciplined 
by design. I'm almost done, guys. I'm giving you some of these, some good tools. Discipline by design, by setting realistic, measurable goals. Start small versus not at all, not at all. I love 1 Timothy 6, 6. Remember this scripture. Memorize this scripture. 1 Timothy 6, 6. Godliness with contentment will always lead to great outcomes. Godliness with contentment always leads to great outcomes. So make a decision to live godly and content right now because the world is full of discontent and most of what we see online is being discontent. You don't have enough. You're not good enough. You don't look good enough. You don't possess enough. More, 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 more. And God says, I've given you everything that you need for today. I've given you everything that you need today. Sit at my feet, learn to have real godliness in your life and be content and watch what I can do, the Lord says. One step in a long journey leads to bigger steps along the way. The question is, what are you aiming at? What are you aiming at? 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, I'll paraphrase it for you. Don't you know that when everybody runs, they run to win? Run in such a way to win the prize. Not haphazard, not boxing the air haphazardly, but rather be tempered in all things. Train like a spiritual Olympic athlete. Train like a spiritual Olympic athlete. I want you to live a long time I want you to run the full race that God has set before you. God has already set a race before you. So run with patience, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Run with endurance. You have a cloud of witnesses around you. Be patient. Be tempered. Have delayed gratification in your life. So you fight in a way with purpose, not haphazardly. Run to win the prize. See the rewards and the outcomes. And I'll say these last two things, and then we're going to pray. Who are you competing against? There is a competition. I'm in a competition. Who am I competing against? My old self. I am in a fight against the old me. And that old me wants to rule. But that old me wants to die or needs to die. Doesn't want to die, but it needs to die. And so it's my lesser self and everything in it that has to die. It has to die. You're competing with yourself. Man, here's the great news. You have the upper hand. You know why? Because you know all your advantages and disadvantages. You know where you're weak, right? So I know what I can look at and what I can't look at. There's things that I once did, movies I could once watch that I can't watch anymore. Because I already know that it's not okay with the Lord. I love the standard that Dan Muller set. He said, I, if I, I won't watch something that Jesus had to die for. And some people say, you're, too, you're being too spiritual. Okay. Yeah, I am. But I know, my, I know my advantages and disadvantages. And I know that the devil hates my guts and he wants to kill me. And I know that I got little eyes watching me. And I know how much the devil hates this church. And I know how much he wants to divide my family and divide us. And so your old self has to die and your new self has to be re reborn and re renewed constantly. So you have to take personal re responsibility with massive amounts of humility. The question is, how can I be better today than I was yesterday? And how can I be better tomorrow than I am today? And what am I going to do to make those steps? And I'm going to leave you with this last point. This is, going to, this is a point I've never made here before, ever. 
but it's so good. And I, and, and I actually have had to really think about this a lot. Be extremely predictable. Now, predictability may sound boring, but it's not. Because God's predictable in the context of his character and nature. The Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and he's always the same. So I never have to worry that when I come to the Lord with honesty and humility and brokenness that he won't accept me, love me, comfort me, and care for me, and forgive me every single time. Why? Because he's the same. Now, he's not predictable in the context of how he leads you through your life. Because all of us know the fastest way from point A to point B is in a straight line. But God does this crazy zigzag thing all along the way, right? But he stays the same and he leads us with purpose and design. So I say it this way, be predictable, but also be flexible and moldable and fluid with the Holy Spirit. That's why you must be a new wineskin. The reason God wants us to be new wineskins always is so that when there's a fermentation process going on inside your heart and you're becoming intoxicated and intoxicating to others with spiritual influence of the spirit, the true spiritual influence, realize he says, don't be drunk with wine because I want you to be filled with the spirit because my filling of the spirit will not only intoxicate you, it will intoxicate others properly. So now instead of shot, 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 what you're doing is, just making sure y'all are still awake. Now you're giving them something better to drink, amen? Do you understand what I'm trying to say in that context? All right. Now listen to predictable. Predictable means to have expected certain behavior. It's behavior that's predicted. It's outcomes that are able to be seen, known, and declared in advance. Let me say that again. Outcomes that are able to be seen, known, or declared in advance. Predictability brings stability and kills anxiety. Unpredictability creates anxiety and instability. Fluidity and flexibility with the Holy Spirit and others brings joy and adventure into your life. So predictability is this mindset that my kids know I'm pretty the same. My kids never have to be afraid that I'm gonna spin off the rails. How about in a home where the husband and wife fight all the time or one spouse always leaves and you never know? Have you ever... I haven't been in this situation, but I know people that have. Have you ever had an alcohol, extremely alcoholic parent and you never know what they're going to do today? Or extremely abusive spouse or people that you just never know. They're so unpredictable. You never know what's going to happen in the next moment. Think about the level of instability and anxiety that that caused in your life or in a child's life. That's why we need a new dad that's predictable. You guys understand this? Be predictable. Every time these doors are open, be here. Worship consistently. Seek the Lord. I love Kayla uh, Harden. When her dad passed away, who was an elder here, one of the things she said at the memorial was, every day when I would wake up, I would get up early, and my dad was always up before me sitting in the living room under the light reading his Bible. He was predictable every day. My kids know that if I'm home, whether I like it or not, because some days I'm like, I'm not rubbing anybody's back tonight. I'm not, I'm, 
not, y'all go to bed. And they look at me like I'm just came from another planet because they know that bedtime routine, we have what's called a, it's basically a bedtime liturgy, right? Now I blow it up a lot because I can be spontaneous and it drives her nuts because kids get wild right before bedtime. But in general, my kids know if I'm home, which is most nights, most nights, I don't travel a lot and I don't take a lot of late night meetings and I'm almost home every night. We're going to have worship music. We're going to pray. I'm going to lay hands on their head. I'm going to, I'm going to pray life into them. I'm going to scratch their back. I'm going to love them and I'm going to give them the best of me at the end of the day. It's predictable. Let me tell you so much that I have done it for 10 straight years. 10 straight years, right? And one day I'm going to say to my kids, I rubbed your back. How dare you? You know what? My kids know I love Jesus. I'm predictable when it comes to the things of God. I don't spin off the rails. I don't do stupid things. I mean, my wife thinks I do stupid things sometimes, but in general, I'm, I am saying to you that predictability is so important, but there also has to be the component of the Holy Spirit that leads you into healthy spontaneity because some people's spontaneity is spin off the rails and crazy train, here we come. All right, let's all stand. Let me have my prayer partners and my ministry team come up, please. Every time I say that, I start to sing, going off the rails on a crazy train. <laughs> it didn't help that it was in sing, or um, sorry, uh, trolls too, trolls too. Oh my gosh, those... Now I have to explain to my kids all these songs that they're watching in these shows. Fortunately, I can't explain it, so that's a good thing. All right. Let's just take a moment. Now, the prayer partners are here. We'll pray for you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask the Lord, where, where am I out of control? Right? This has got to be between you and him. Where have I lost self-control? Maybe it's with your tongue. Maybe it's with gossip. Maybe it's with what you're posting. Maybe it's with offense. Maybe it's with comparison. Maybe it's with shopping. Maybe it's with Netflix. Maybe it's with TV. Maybe it's with the phone. Maybe it's with work. Okay? So we're, we want to bring temperance and moderation into our life so we can be healthy. That comes from the Holy Spirit. But first, it comes from realizing I'm out of control in this area. So let's close your eyes for a moment. Lord, show us where we've lost. Well, show us where we've, we have gone out of control, Lord. If there's any area, any imbalance, Lord, any imbalance. Pray for spirit of wisdom and revelation here today. God, I thank you for temperance, moderation, self-control. Thank you for the fruit of the spirit. Lord, help us to realize that without the fruit of the spirit, we'll never be happy. 
will never be happy without the fruit of the Spirit. Thank you that you put your Spirit in us to make us like you. Thank you that you've given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now I pray an abundance of grace and peace be multiplied. I also pray for wisdom in times and schedules and investments, taking care of yourself mentally, physically, and spiritually. Pray that into you today. Have mercy, Lord. Have mercy. Negative thoughts, fears, depression, anxiety. Lord, I ask that you would renew our minds, bring us to a place of abiding where we won't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but we'd be renewed, be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Lord, I just thank you so much, Lord for bridling our minds and our hearts and our actions. Help us to think before we act. Help us to have healthy, spiritual, supernatural lifestyles, not behavior modification, but when driven. For those that are hurting and broken today that have made a lot of bad choices or burned a lot of bridges down, I pray healing and comfort and redemption for them. If you'd like somebody to pray for you, please make your way up. If any of this has touched you, please come up and let somebody pray for you. Don't take it home today. If you haven't given your life to Jesus, don't. this isn't a play thing. Get born again by surrendering all now. You can't do this without a new internal operating system. You can't just go through the motions. You need to surrender all. And if you've not surrendered all and you're not born again, I want you to come up. If you backslidden from the things of God or got lukewarm, I want you to come up and let somebody pray for you, all right? So I'll release you. You're welcome to come for prayer. Then you get your kids. Lord, I thank you so much for this church. Thank you for today. Thank you for the fruit of the Spirit ruling and reigning in our lives and our hearts and minds. And we love you so much, Lord. Lord, keep us tempered. Keep us tempered. In Jesus' name, amen.